0: Jesus says, keep awake. One of the best and hardest experiences that I had during my seminary training, and I've shared some of this with some of you before, um, is the experience of learning to be a hospital chaplain. Now, I ended up doing extra amounts of it, but the, the initial experience, the required summer that you do it, typically happens during the summer right after your first year in the classroom. sense Because if you think about it, you go to seminary and you find yourself sitting in this classroom, you know, stuffing knowledge into your head, uh, learning about theology, digging deep into biblical studies, but then you go and you spend your whole summer, 10, 11 weeks full time on the various floors of a hospital. That's where the theological rubber hits the road. And it's something that most of us seminarians didn't look forward to. We did it because we had to. But within those walls, a lot happens. There's a lot of life and a lot more even. And I, I quickly experienced um, what made so much sense that you have so many TV shows based on hospitals. It's a lot that takes place. So the hospital that I was at, Uh, That first summer. It was a place called Bridgeport, Connecticut, and if you know the area, it's between New Haven and New York. Bridgeport is the largest city in Connecticut, and it's also the poorest city in Connecticut. It's a hard luck place, and the hospital was a very, very active hospital. It was an excellent hospital. And uh, they needed to have 24-7 coverage so that there would be a chaplain on duty, present and available at any minute of the day or night case of emergency. And we were well used. But so what happens is, uh, if you are part of the learning cohort of chaplains, um, your job is to plan one day a week. Your your number comes up, and you have to plan to spend the night at the hospital. There's a chaplain sleep room that you can stay in and and everything. So this is what happens. I, I remember like it was yesterday, the first time it was my turn to be the overnight chaplain. So what happens is the first thing is you get the beeper, you you take the pager, you put it on your belt, and I I remember looking at it, it was like a jack-in-the-box, like at any minute it's just going to explode open, and you don't know what you will then have to go and be present for. Um, So you put that on your belt, and then the next thing that happens is you see your friends, the other chaplains, as they skip out the door, going home for the evening or the weekend, and they sort of wave goodbye, and you are left behind, and you feel it. Then you go to the cafeteria to have some bad food and wait for the beeper to go off. (laughs) Um, And then actually the best part of the night is right after that, you have your list of people to visit. These are people that are gonna have a surgery the next day. And it's the pre-op list and you go and you, you visit with somebody in case somebody wants to talk or to pray or just simply to have somebody sit with them to spend time as they anticipate what will be a very important day in their life the next day when they wake up. But then unfortunately, you will have run out of things to do and you have no choice but to go to the sleep room and try to see if you can actually get some rest. Um, And I remember that first time walking into where the sleep room was. um, What they did at the hospital where we were at is they took an old part of the hospital that had been retired (coughs) that wasn't really being used for patients anymore. It was just the, these empty halls. It was very Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> You're walking down the hall, you see it's not lit like the other parts of the hospital because when the lights burned out, they just leave them dark. Um, there were wires, tangles of wires sticking out of some of the walls where monitors used to be and other equipment. I remember the nurses' station, which had no nurses, no chairs, no charts behind the desk, just that built in desk just sitting there reminding you. What used to happen there? And so then the sleep room itself is uh, a former hospital room. You walk in, just like a regular room, you've got a hospital bed to sleep in. Of course, the equipment's all been removed. And I remember taking off my tie, taking off my coat, but setting it carefully aside because at any minute, I was gonna need to throw it back on. You never know when. And I took the pager off, I put it beside the bed, and then I thought what probably many of us would do I'm going to see what's on TV, maybe to get some distraction, to calm down, and then get some rest, some sleep. Because, you know, after all, this is your chance to get rest so that you can be ready later. But it seemed impossible. So I I turned the TV on, and this literally happened. Guess what was on? ER. (laughs) I watched for about five minutes until I realized what a bad idea it was, and I, I flipped it off. But then this is the thing that happened. This is uh, something that I gained from that night that I still carry with me, literally and figuratively, to this day. At Bridgeport Hospital, many of the patients were Roman Catholic. And so we chaplains were all supplied with a little stash of plastic bags that had rosaries in each one. Because at any time you might meet somebody and they would like to have prayer beads, and you would be ready to share the prayer beads. Now, me, growing up a cradle Episcopalian, I'd never prayed the rosary in my life, but I looked over on the side table, and I thought, well, this is a good time to try it out. So I don't know if any of you have prayed the rosary before or not. And by the way, there are Anglican prayer beads, too, if you're very denominational. (laughs) You can do an Episcopal version of the rosary, but it doesn't matter. Um, The experience that I found of holding the little bead between your fingers as you pray a prayer. You pray certain prayers over and over with each bead. And when you touch each bead, you remember to feel. And when you whisper or mouth the words of prayer, you remember to breathe. And in all of it, you remember how to be still to be present. To be in the present moment right now, good or bad, though it may be. You remember the meaning of the song that says, Be still and know that I am God. To be aware, to be awake, and which can make you ready for whatever may come next. Jesus says the words, Keep awake. Being awake is not the same as not being asleep. Like how being alive is much more than merely having a heartbeat. You can be physically awake, but you may have your mind lost in a million different places, a million worries, a million distractions, or even just rote numbness. And I love to remind people that there is no place where you can possibly meet God except for here. And there is no time when you can possibly meet God except for now. Being awake is the door for God to enter in. Now thinking back on that night and this memory that is so vivid for me like it was yesterday I was reflecting on it as I was preparing the sermon, and I I thought, did the beeper even go off that night? The the truth is, I don't remember if it did. I think it didn't. I don't remember that, which is funny, because that seemed to be the most important thing. But what I do remember is the waiting, which started out horrible, but then became holy. Advent is the season for waiting, in expectation and hope, of making ourselves ready for the coming of Christ and the coming of his kingdom. Jesus speaks about this kingdom, but he refuses to give any details. Instead, he says, listen up. This is important. You do not want to miss it. The kingdom is life. The kingdom is your deepest treasure. The kingdom is your true home. How do we get ready for it? We keep awake.